following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. All right, I want to give you a little test today. I want to test us, church, on our knowledge and wisdom. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a famous historic proverb. I'm going to give you the beginning, and I want to see if you know the end of the proverb, okay? It's a little test for us, all right? And I need 100% participation, all right? So I need your help. If you're watching online, you're sitting on your pajama, in your pajamas on your couch, I want you to shout it out like a crazy person too, okay? Pilot campus here. I need 100% participation, a little test of our collective wisdom You guys ready for this? Because you don't look ready for this. You guys ready for this? Three people are ready. Come on, guys. Let's shake it out. Get the blood flowing, all right? You guys guys ready for this? Can you do this? Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right, here's the first one. If you can't stand the heat, give yourselves a hand. One for one. All right. Good job. Good job. All right, here's the second one. You guys ready for this? Here, Here it comes. Okay. You can lead a horse to water. All right, two for two. Give yourselves a hand. Proud of you. All right, last one. Ready? Don't count your chickens before they hatch. I knew we were a group of wise people in here. Give yourselves a round of applause. Good job. Now, I got to admit, I have used all those phrases at one time or another. Anyone, can anyone say yes? I have said, don't count your chickens before they hatch. I've actually said that before. Let's see hands. So I've, I've used that phrase before, most of us. Okay. If you've ever owned a chicken before, I would like to see hands, okay? It's actually more than I thought would be raising their hands, okay? I'm surprised and impressed. Okay. Now, here's what I'd say. I have never owned a chicken. I'm not sure I've ever touched a chicken or been within 50 yards of a chicken, and I don't really intend for that to change. But I have used that phrase before, and know what that phrase means. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. But the reason that I know that is because it's been passed down in through our culture, and that's how these modern little proverbs of wisdom happen. It's like through a generations of a culture, they keep going because there's some truth in it. And that's true in cultures all over. Every culture has these little phrases. So there's a, a close friend of mine and several of us on the staff. He's a, a guy who's consulting us at West Pines right now as we prepare to go multi-site. He's consulting us as we're thinking about reaching the city. And um, his name is Anton. And a dear friend, godly guy, humble guy, wise, we love him. Um, and, um, and we have some interesting conversations with him, in part because he's from South Africa. And so at least once a month, we'll be in the middle of a conversation, and he'll say some South African wise proverb, and it will go right over our heads. We'll have no idea what he's saying. So the other day, he goes, um, we're in the middle of this conversation, he says, well, you could project that number if you want, but it's just, (laughs) I just looked at you like, what did you just do? He said, yeah, you could project the number, but you're just, like, seriously, we have no idea what you're talking, why are you doing that? He says, you know, you're just pulling it out of your thumb. 
what? We still, I got, I got nothing. What are you talking about? He's like, okay, it must be a South African phrase. He says, it's, it means like when you're just kind of like coming up with a number in it or something that doesn't have any background. I said, oh, I think what you're trying to say, what clearly makes far more sense than that is you're trying to say you're pulling a number out of thin air. And he goes, what? Thin air? What does that mean? How do you pull something out of thin air? And I realize I have no idea what that phrase means, okay? But I know, I know what it's trying to communicate. What does this all mean? Every culture has its little proverbs and wise sayings that we've always, that all of us know, and we know what they mean. Why? Well, why, why do all these cultures have this? Because every human being, regardless of culture, regardless of historical context, Every human being is after wisdom. We might not say it like that. We might not call it wisdom. But every human wants it. All different categories of our lives, we need wisdom. We come up against some relational difficulty. Marriage, dating relationship, friendship. Relationship with a family member, relationship at work, and we don't know what to do. We need wisdom. Maybe it's something financial, maybe it's something health related, maybe it's something about goals and dreams and direction. We all want wisdom. And we're going to look at a passage today in the Bible, a chapter that talks about the key, the underlying key that helps us get wisdom. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 8. If you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and open to Proverbs chapter 8. One of the things that inspired us jumping into Proverbs today is because we are in the middle of Proverbs in our church reading plan. Uh, Many of you know about this. Hundreds of you are involved in this reading plan and want to encourage you. You may say, well, what's this? It's we have a chapter a day that we as a church uh, read through. So um, you may say, man, I, I'd love to read through and be a part of my church's reading plan. How do I read through what the rest of the church is reading through? We'd love to invite you in. Um, in fact, there's a way that you can uh, follow along and get a text message every morning as to what the passage is to read for that day. Right now we're working through Proverbs. If you're interested in that, just text the number 97,000, Text that number Uh, WPCC. Text WPCC to 97,000. Tomorrow morning, you will get a text message that tells you what the chapter of the day is, and you'll be a part of your church reading plan. We've been going through Proverbs, so we wanted to stop, touch down this week about Proverbs and how to take a look at a passage like that. You might be saying, okay, if I follow along, I don't know what to do with a chapter in the Bible. Like, how do I read that? You can find on our website, a couple months ago, we did a series called Word Habit. Look at part one of Word Habit. It explains a very simple process of reading through a chapter. It can take it 15 minutes to read through a chapter of the Bible and to apply it into your life. So check that out. Okay, let me jump in. Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding Raise her voice on the heights, beside the way. At the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town. 
at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. Now pause with me here and let's just kind of re regroup and get some context of what we're, what we're reading. First, let's talk about the book of Proverbs for a second because it's, it's uh, different than a lot of other parts of the scripture. When you open your Bible to read, you will find all different types of genres of literature. And that's part of the brilliance and the interest and the power of the Bible is it's got all different types of literature in there and it connects with all different ones of us. So you'll find history in there and it's got these powerful stories of adventure, twists and turns, things you'd never expect in these stories of, of, and we learn about God and how he encounters people. You find in scripture things like poetry, some of the most world famous, historical, most beautiful poetry in, in history is found in the Bible. You find legal documents, you find letters with just simple instructions, and you find books like Proverbs, and it's a specific genre of literature known as wisdom literature. And we're, this is one of the most intuitive books in the Bible for us to study. If you're looking for a place to start, Proverbs is one of the easiest to understand because we're used to proverbial literature. We're used, to, we're used to these little proverbs like the ones we talked about in the beginning of this message or, or other little proverbs like don't bite the hand that feeds you. We know all these little proverbs. We know how to, how to read proverbs. You know how to take these analogies, these comparisons, these illustrations, these metaphors and apply it to our lives. We know how to do that type of thing. And so proverbs is one of the most intuitive books of the Bible for us to study. The thing you need to know about Proverbs in this genre of literature is it's full of true principles, but they're not intended as promises. That doesn't mean they're less true. That's just not how the genre works. They are not guaranteed promises. They're guaranteed principles. It just functions a little bit differently. Let me give you an example of this. Let's say one day when my son grows up, he gets a job at a company, and he calls me one day, Dad, man, something just does not smell right here at the company, man. I, I just, I don't know what they're doing, but I just think there's something crooked going on. The way they're handling the finances or some of their clients, I, I just, I'm really concerned. And imagine I respond to him over the phone, and I say, well, son, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's fire. And I say to him, look, man, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, if you're sensing some things are off, there's a good chance things are off. I'm not saying I am prophetically guaranteeing things are off, right? I'm not promising things are off. I'm just teaching you a principle, a wise principle to, to live by. Keep your antenna up. There's a good chance you're right. That's how Proverbs operates. It's not a prophetic guarantee over your life. It's, they're not full of promises. There are other parts of the Bible that are full of promises. This is principles, just as true, but they're principles. That's how you read it. Okay, what is this particular chapter in Proverbs saying? Chapter 8 opens up with three verses, and it uses the literary device of personification. What it's essentially saying is it's saying, Listen to wisdom's call. It's making wisdom a person, specifically a lady. And it's saying, wisdom is like a woman standing and calling out to the people who pass by. And I want you to notice specifically where it says Lady Wisdom is standing. 
She's not standing all alone in a forest. She's not standing out in the desert. She's standing on the heights. In ancient cities, the tallest point was often the city center or an important building. She's standing on the heights. She's standing by the way. Standing on the, by the road. She's standing at the crossroads, at the intersection. She's standing at the gates of the city, at the entrances to the town. She's in the middle of downtown calling out. That's significant. What is she calling out? Let's keep going and let's see. This is Proverbs 8. Let's pick it up in verse 4. To you, O men, I call. This is, this is wisdom speaking. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and write to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction, listen, instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all, this is a big statement. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Who's the her? Wisdom. Okay, here's what I want you to see. What's wisdom saying at the intersection? What's wisdom saying? She's calling out to anyone who will listen. The simple, the fools, she says. She's calling out. She is beckoning anyone who hears her, please. She's pleading and begging, please listen. Here's what this teaches us about wisdom. Wisdom is right there being offered. Sometimes we think, I mean, we all know we need it. We all want more wisdom. I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, we all want wisdom in various areas of our life. We all need it. So why don't we have it? Is it a problem with wisdom? Well, wisdom's just, it's hard to find wisdom. I mean, it's like buried and we've got to follow this map to get it, or, or um, may, maybe it's hiding in a cave. We have to know someone, we, but that's not what this says. Wisdom is standing out in the most public places, calling to anyone who passes by, any person on any part of society standing right downtown, calling out to everyone. Wisdom is not, it doesn't say that wisdom is only in the palaces for the elite, Wisdom is not only in the academy, in the ivory tower. Wisdom is out in the most public square for any person in the cross-section of society offering wisdom to anyone who passes by. Wisdom is right there. The problem is not, the reason we don't have wisdom is not because of wisdom. It's not that, well, I mean, it's really expensive to get some kind of life coach or take some class or read a bunch of books. That's fine, do that. But wisdom is being offered to you freely. That's where wisdom is, so then why don't we have it? The problem's clearly not with wisdom and its availability, its accessibility. The problem's with us. Got something deep inside, apparently, that's holding us back from getting wisdom. 
What is that? This passage is going to tell us. But I want you to notice one other thing it says. Did you notice it says we should desire wisdom more than gold, silver, jewels, or anything else you can desire cannot be compared with wisdom. All right, let's not just leave that as like hyperbole. Let's just bring that down to earth. Let's say an angel appears to you later this afternoon and says, look, I'm going to give you an option here. You can either win the lottery. I'm talking like the whole thing. You can win the lottery or I will give you wisdom. Which do you want? Now, we know there's a churchy answer, okay? Well, clearly, angel of the Lord, I would prefer wisdom, thank you, because I am such a godly, holy person. Okay, but let's just talk human to human. Because some of you are saying, look, I'll get wisdom later, okay? We'll get, get wisdom down the road a little bit. Let's, just, let's talk lottery here, angel. Like, help me know how does this work. Okay, I want you to see what this text says because it is going to explain why we actually, if we saw things accurately, would actually want wisdom more than winning the lottery. And I'm not talking like in some transcendent, super spiritual realm. I'm saying like down to earth, in the daily grind, human being to human being, why you actually want wisdom more than the lottery. Look at what it says. Let's um, read the next several verses and we'll stop for today. Verse 12. I, wisdom, wisdom's still talking. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and, what does that say? Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness." My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Listen to what this says. Wisdom is standing there and she's calling out. And did you notice what she said comes with her? Prudence. Knowledge, discretion. She has counsel, soundness, insight, strength. She says, by me, all who lead well, they, they, they have me. If you want to lead and reign well, manage that platform, that position, that promotion. She says, she says you want to desire me more then all the gold, all the silver, and she, says, and she says, because my fruit is better, my yield. In other words, the return on investment for wisdom is better than you can get for money or any other resource. I love, I love how wisdom puts it. She says, I love those who love me. You love wisdom, 
Wisdom's going to love you back. And she's going to leave you an inheritance. Fill your treasuries, she says. Wisdom is more desirable than all the wealth. In fact, let's just go back to our original question. Why do you want wisdom more than winning the lottery? Have you ever read the stories of people who won the lottery? I'm not talking like the $5,000 lottery winner. I'm talking like hundreds of millions of dollars, like lightning struck, they beat all the odds, those kind of lottery winners. Have you ever read their stories? Many, if not most of them, it wrecks their life. Many of them end up in greater financial poverty than they were before they got the money. And almost all of them end up in relational poverty more so than they were before they got it. And many will tell you the worst thing that ever happened to them was winning the lottery. It ruined their life. Why? Because if you have lottery winnings and you don't have wisdom, it'll wreck you. Why? Because, well, look what wisdom wisdom brings. Prudence. Prudence? Why do I want prudence? Prudence is that internal character trait that holds you back from doing the things that will destroy you. If you don't have prudence and all of a sudden you have all the money in the world, you're going to destroy yourself. What does wisdom bring? It brings strength. And with the greater success, and we're not just talking just about money, whether it's the more financial wealth, the more a position, the more power, the more influence, the more leadership, whatever the resource is that you're given more of, it's going to require more strength, more discipline, more restraint. And as you get that, if you don't have wisdom, you'll destroy yourself and probably those around you. So what does wisdom do? Wisdom actually gives you the inner components, not only to survive those things that you get blessed with, but gives you the inner components to go out and get those things. It's like this. Um, You've heard that old saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. What are we supposed to do? Teach the man how to fish. You'll feed him for a lifetime. Why? If you just give him a fish, well, that's fine. It'll run out. Give him the pieces, the the skills, the knowledge, the know-how on how to go and and to get fish for himself. But that's still just talking about knowledge and skill sets. We haven't even started talking about wisdom yet. You give a man wisdom, he can feed an empire indefinitely. Because he now has the inner components to go out and find whatever skills he needs to bring out success. It's like this, when we were kids, uh, I remember um, we'd have this conversation around the lunch table or out in the playground what would you do if you found a magic lamp with a genie inside? And he gave you three wishes. And I remember when we first started the conversation, it was like, well, I want those new sneakers. Or, oh, I want, uh, you know, such and such rookie baseball card. And then one of us cracked the code. Like, there is a right answer to that, okay? What do you wish for first? More wishes, okay? That's the right answer. It's the first thing you wish for. Wisdom is wishing for more wishes. Wisdom is the inner 
character, the inner stuff, the inner components that you need to have to go out and find the answers, to find the success, to, find, to handle the success in any category of your life. That's what wisdom is. And here's the crazy thing. It's offered freely. In fact, let me read you what, what uh, it says in the book of James. Chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. God wants to give you wisdom. He's saying, I would love to give you wisdom. Wisdom is freely offered. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at. Wisdom is offered. All of us need wisdom. Wisdom is like the key to help us in success in any category of our life. But why don't we have it? It's not that wisdom's hard to find. It's got to be something inside. And this passage told us, here's the problem and why we don't have wisdom. Can I read it to you again? Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. What's the key to wisdom? Well, well, Proverbs says the beginning of, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? It's when I look up at God and I say, God, clearly you are the center of the universe, not me. You are all-knowing, not me. I need you. You don't need me. I humble myself and surrender to you. I need you. The fear of the Lord humbles us in surrender and submission to God himself. And that humility plays out in our lives. Listen to what it says, Proverbs eleven two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Lady Wisdom said in here, she says, I hate pride and arrogance. Lady Wisdom says, I never associate with pride and arrogance. I side with the humble. Why? Because the key things you need to gain wisdom, you have to have humility. Humility is the key. Let me show you what I mean. Let me just read this to you. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of what? Counselors, there is safety. One of the first ways that you get wisdom is through wise counsel. And you know what keeps us from getting wise counsel? Pride. We don't think we need it. We don't think we want it. Let's just do an exercise here. Can everyone pull out a pen? Everyone find a pen. If you're taking notes, hold out your pen. Reach into that chair in front of you, the seat back behind you. Grab a pen. I want to do an exercise. Find something to write with. Um, and your, maybe grab your journal. Grab a um, Get Connected card. I want you to write down some numbers. We're going to do a little exercise here. Okay, I want you to write down these numbers. Everyone got a pen? Something to write on? All right. They're phone numbers. I want you to write these down. We're going to do something with this. Write this first phone number down, 954. Go ahead and write this down, 954-880-9595. Second number, 786-573-7010. Write down those numbers, 954-880-9595 and 786 573 
7010. Got those numbers down? All right, now I want you to take your pen. If you live in Broward, I want you to circle the 954 number. Circle that number. If you live in Dade, I want you to circle the 786 number. I want you to circle that. Okay, got it? All right. Those numbers, numbers to a Christian counseling agencies. Why? Because of various points in our lives, we need godly, unbiased counsel. And sometimes the thing that's holding us back, it's just pride. One of the saddest things is in a marriage. When one spouse says, look, we're hitting a rough patch here. Can we go sit with a counselor? And the other one says, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't need counseling. I'm fine. We're fine. It's not like we're falling apart. No, you're not falling apart. You're being wise. Get counsel. That's how you get wisdom. Everyone needs counsel. There's a point probably in every single marriage where it is wise and healthy to get unbiased counsel in your marriage. And the saddest thing is some, there are even some marriages where maybe what the marriage is hanging in the balance because one person is not willing to go get counsel. It's just unwise and the only thing keeping them from that wisdom that's being freely offered is pride. Maybe the one thing, maybe you say, well, my marriage is not falling apart. Yeah, but, but maybe you're hitting a rough patch and all of the joy the affection, intimacy, admiration, respect that you could have with just some unbiased, wise counsel helping you get through a tough spot. Why would you not seek that? It would only be pride. Seek counsel. Others of you may say, you know what? Look, I need more godly people around me. I need to have that. I can't just, I, I can't, no man is an island. And what we love to do is say, you know what, no, I can handle it by myself. I, I can do it, self-made man, I don't need anyone else around me. It's just pride. And it's not wisdom. Wisdom is the humility that says, I am going to position myself to get counsel. Some of you, you've been coming to West Pines for a long time, it's time to surround yourself with Christian community. Take that next step Take that Get Connected card and today say, tell me about a group. Someone, we will contact you and say, hey, get in a group. Get, build that Christian community. We all need counsel in our lives. To get that counsel, that's how we get wisdom. We have to have humility, but that's not the only thing. Here's another thing. You have to have humility to gain learning and instruction. Listen to what the Proverbs says, Proverbs 19, 27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stay from you will stray from the words of knowledge. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. You know, one of the most dangerous things in anyone's tenure in their career or in whatever their particular thing is that they've devoted their life to, the most dangerous thing they can begin to think is I'm an expert. The moment you think you're an expert, the moment your expertise just started to decline. That's what this says. That's what this says right here. Once you cease to hear instruction, 
So we have a phrase that we use among our, our staff here at West Pines. We say, we are not a staff of experts. We're a staff of learners. Be a perpetual learner. Learn from anyone. If you're the advanced senior person at your place of work, learn from the rookie. Learn from the people around you. The wisest people in the room are not the people who are trying to instruct everyone and sound sagely. The wisest people in the, in the room are the ones who are sitting back ready to learn from anyone. The only reason, I mean, that makes so much sense. You're getting more instruction. The only reason we don't, pride. Have the humility to be a perpetual learner all your life, learning from anyone, and you'll never stray from increasing knowledge. It just takes humility. So we need humility to get counsel. We need humility to get instruction and learning and we need humility to get correction. Listen to Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is what? You said it, not me. I didn't even know we were allowed to say that word in church, okay? But it's in the Bible. It's saying, look, if you, he says, love discipline. Love correction. Love it. I gotta be honest with you. It's hard to love correction. Oh, I just love it when someone tells me what's wrong with me. It's my favorite. But that's wisdom. And those who hate it, can't hear it, ignore it, attack those who try and offer it, stupid. That's what it says. That's just stupid. It says, wisdom has the humility to pursue correction. Here's how another place in the Bible, it says it. It says, how absurd would it be to go, imagine you're at a dinner date. You're with someone, you're taking them out a nice dinner, you're out and you go, you excuse yourself, you go to the restroom, look in the mirror, and you have a gigantic piece of spinach in your teeth. The Bible says, how absurd would it be to look at yourself, see the ugly, nasty piece of spinach and say, awesome, and just go back and sit down. It's ridiculous. You'd never do that. When you see your flaw, of course you want to change it. You, it's a good friend that looks across the table and says, bro, you have a huge piece of spinach in your teeth. And you say, look, that's embarrassing, but thank you. What should you say when someone brings correction in your life? Thank you. You know, the hardest people to hear correction and reproof from is the people that know us the best and love us the best, like in our family. Um, recently, we've been talking with our kids about, um, uh, Rebecca and I have been talking with our kids about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, how those are things that God produces in us. He wants us to have things like patience. Not having those things are a sin. You know, when we get impatient, you know, that's a, that's a sin. And so we've been talking about those things and looking for love and joy in our lives and patience. And so there was this time Recently, where I was driving, I had the, the two older kids, uh, almost six and four. They're in the car, and um, I'm driving them, and they just start. They just would not stop fighting with each other, and I keep correcting them and correcting them, and I'm about to lose it, okay? Like, my blood pressure is, like, going through the roof, and it's everything I can do to, as calmly as possible, say, guys, I am really starting to lose my patience here. I do not want to tell you one more time. And one of them in the back seat says, but daddy, B 
being impatient is a sin. Pulled over, got out of the car, screamed a little bit, got back in the car, okay. Yes, son, daughter, thank you, child, for telling me that point of information. Right at this exact moment, it's what I needed. Because I love correction and reproof in my life, no matter who it comes from. Correction is hard. And it's the hardest from the people that love us the most. Some of the hardest people it is to hear correction and reproof from is our spouse, and they have a front row seat to our flaws. They're the ones that love us the most, see us the best, and it's the hardest to hear from them. Why? Pride. In fact, one of the most important things that you could do, one of the greatest moments in your marriage, for some of you, your homework is later tonight, sit down on the couch, and for you to look at your spouse and look them in the eye and confess and repentance and just say, look, I, I know that I struggle to hear correction from you. I'm sorry. I don't want that because I love you. I want you to speak into my life. I'm not promising I'm going to be perfect at it because it's really hard for me. But I want that correction in, in my life. Now, I don't want to start fights throughout an entire church, okay? So if your spouse happens to say that, okay, don't unload all the things you've been waiting to say to them at that moment. Just say, thank you. And here's the other thing. If right now it's everything you can do from elbowing your significant other next to you, remember the beginning of wisdom is humility, you need correction too in your life. And no matter how good you think you are at it, you're going to need to confess that too. That could be releasing some of the most healthy things in your marriage or your relationship you could possibly have. We need correction. But what we do instead is when our spouse says something, what do we do? We attack back or we try and undercut their argument. Can you imagine sitting at dinner with your friend and he says, bro, you've got spinach in your teeth and you say, you have spinach in your teeth, man. It'd be absurd. Why would you do that? Just trying to help you. But that's what we do to our spouses. Or if we don't have any other way, anything else to say, we attack the delivery well, you don't have to say it like that. That's just mean. Or of all times, this is the time that you pick to tell me. This is the worst possible time you could have said it. Just say thank you. Do you know why it's hard? There's never a perfect delivery. There's never a good time. That's not why you're struggling. You're struggling because it's hurting your pride. Just take it. Just have the wisdom. Humble yourself. Say thank you probably walk away before you say something stupid, okay? Just take it. When someone corrects you, say thank you. You know, another sad thing is in our friendships. So often in our friendships, we go right up into the point where a friend corrects us, we don't know how to handle it, and so we just go get a new friend. And you know what that leads to? Having no friends. You want good friends? You're gonna need to correct each other. That's how, what friends, it's people love each other do. Why don't we do that? It's just pride. Receive correction. At work, what's rewarded is repeated. If you have a position of leadership, 
And when someone brings a piece of advice or some correction, hey boss, maybe next time we should, if that person gets fired because they tried to correct, no one's going to bring correction and you're never going to get better. What you should do, create a culture that brings correction. Reward that person. Man, that took courage to say that to me. Great job. Hey, everybody, this person had a great piece of advice. It took a lot of courage for them to say it. Reward them so that it's repeated because you're wise and you know you are not God's gift to that company. You need correction. You need help. Wisdom's right there. Just takes humility. Wisdom aligns with humility. Doesn't align with pride. It aligns with humility. Find humility. Receive instruction. Receive correction. Go hunt down counsel. Find wisdom. But it starts with humility. Listen to what it says. Let me read you this last proverb. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. That's the way God wired it. That's how he made the universe. Humility and then honor. How fundamentally did he wire the universe with that arrangement? That's what he did when he entered into the universe. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What does it say in Philippians chapter 2? Have this mind among you that is yours in Christ Jesus, even though he was God, emptied himself like a servant, not considering, he, he says, have this mind among you, consider others better than yourself. In humility. Because Jesus was obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. And then it says, and because God, God then elevated his name above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue will confess. What did Jesus, the creator, model for us? Humility, then honor. Do you think it's going to happen in your life other than the way it happened with Jesus? Nope. Humility, then honor. Have that mind among you. He was the greatest condescension and humiliation. Almighty God coming down within his creation and then rejected, stripped, mocked, tortured, killed on a cross. Why? To pay for our sins. Buried in a tomb and rose again from the grave to his glory. Here's the most crazy part. He faced humiliation so you could find honor. He faced torture and death to pay for our sins so we could be called sons and daughters of almighty God. And he's calling you now to walk in his footsteps. You know, one of the most greatest steps of humility is taking that first step to be saved. It's humbling. Because you're admitting that you need a savior. Here's the truth. You cannot get to heaven on your own. You and I will never be good enough we, when it comes to heaven, we are in trouble and we need someone to rescue us. We're drowning. We're facing an eternity away from God. 
You cannot do it. You can't be good enough, righteous enough, and the beginning of salvation is the faith that I stop and say, I need to be rescued. I'm not my own savior. I need a savior. Jesus, I need what you did on the cross to wash away my sins so that I can find salvation. And some of you maybe have been coming to church and you've been saying, look, just give me a couple Christian-tinted self-help tips so I can handle my life a little better as if Jesus is just there to help you save your life. You need to be saved. You need Jesus. You need to be rescued. And that's humbling. But take that step and find salvation. There is salvation in no way else but in the name of Jesus. Let me lead you in a quiet moment of prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes if you're watching online or at the pilot campus, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to lead you in this simple prayer. If you say, today I want to find a Savior, I surrender. I want to be saved by Jesus today. Humble myself. Let me just lead you in a prayer. You can take that step of faith. You can just receive it right here, right now as a gift of faith. Just put your faith in Jesus. Just silently in your heart, say these words to God. Just say, God, thank you for saving me. I need it. I could never be good enough to get to heaven. You're too perfect. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross saved me paid for my sins. All of them are forgiven now. I believe he rose again from the dead and that I will too raise again for heaven. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.